We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, welcome to the Rotowire College Football Podcast. I'm James Anderson, joined, of course, by Mario Puig, uh, here to break break down the week three action for you. Four. Week four action. <laughs> yeah, the week three action. September twenty third, two thousand fifteen, folks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we got the week four action uh, coming up for you. Week three, actually, we we uh, you know me and a couple of the college football guys went out afterwards. Were you? Were you celebrating any wins, or were you kind of trying to forget what happened on that slate? It was it was too close of a call at the time to be celebrating. <laughs> it was it was a sweat slash just you know anxiety storm for the most part. But when I woke up the next day, it, it mostly turned out okay. So yeah, I usually know what I did obviously in the the early games, and then 
you know, just try to kind of forget. I try to mostly not pay attention. Like I have to obviously on Sundays when we're here doing like the coverage, (laughs) but I'd much rather just like knock myself out for 14 hours and just get it over with without (laughs) having all the anxiety in between. Yeah, we we ended up finding a nice little little dive bar in Madison, the the Silver Dollar. I I don't know about you, Mario, but I personally really don't like uh, weekends when there's a Badger home game. And I think we're coming up on like the third or fourth weekend in a row where there's a home game here in Madison. And for people that aren't undergrad students, and for me, I'm not even like a Badger fan. You're not really, a, you know, I don't think you would consider yourself a, a hardcore Badger fan or anything like that. Uh, those weekends kind of suck because it sort of forces you to, to migrate to a place where there's as few... Uh, people coming or going to that game as possible yeah i mean it's a little cooler when there's at least a real matchup but it, when you <laughs> see all these like 55 year old alumni coming back and like with their like 19 year old kids like getting like not just a little drunk but like hammered right. hammered to the point that they're just buffoons from like 11 a.m through 5 p.m and you can't get anywhere without running into one and somebody with their nasty unwashed hands trying to be like high five etc or maybe they'll be just urinating on the window of the place that you live. That happened to me once. So <laughs> anyway, it's it's uh, it's not nearly as fun unless you are similarly inebriated to the to the horde that's about to just stomp all over you. Yeah, Mario and I and and John McKechnie and our other uh, uh, go to college football guy went went over to the the nearby bar to the the Rotowire offices the other day, and we were basically just we were chased out. We were we were severely outnumbered by people that uh, were about a 12 pack ahead of us people just mad that we're trying to see what's happening with the game right we were we were kind of trying to stay off by ourselves in a little corner area with a tv and there was some room not safe for people like us that time of the day yeah some girls wanted to to get some dance some dance moves going and i thought we were doing a pretty good job of kind of putting on a hey girls don't come up to us type of vibe but uh, Gotta do better. You know, what what can you do? We'll we'll try to step that up this upcoming week. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about these these Thursday Friday games real quick. Uh, it's a what weird you- Thursday Friday slate because Thursday Friday slates are always small, and this slate is made basically even smaller because of injuries to the quarterbacks. We got not only Gunnar Keel, who's just always hurt with some kind of sternum or shoulder or head something or other f- for eternity, um, so he's questionable. Uh, Tommy Tuberville was saying yesterday that he has a good chance to play something like, you know, 36 hours after saying it doesn't look like he'll play Tommy Tuberville. I will just not trust at all on this one. I don't, I don't know what, uh, we're not going to get an accurate diagnosis. First of all, it looked more like a concussion or head issue than a shoulder one, which is what Tuberville revised it to lately. Whatever. Uh, you couldn't read. The, reading through Tuberville's injury reports last year with Gunnar Keel was just impossible, just a nightmare. So I'm not doing it again. Um, but anyway, Hayden Moore is the backup. So if Keel is out, Hayden Moore could actually be okay. He got good reviews in fall camp, but it's the rotation that scares me there. Boise State, we know we're going to have a rotation between Tommy Stewart and uh, Brett Rippon, who are respectively the running and passing specialist quarterbacks. For Boise State, as they had tried to replace Ryan Finley, the starter, uh, that's a road game against Virginia. Virginia's defense has been horrible, but it uh, seems like people get a little weird with Boise going that far east. Um, and then the third, uh, assuming I'm not forgetting other injured quarterbacks, is Stanford's <laughs> Kevin Hogan, who has an ankle sprain that seems 
pretty significant. David Shaw has been saying like he might play even if he doesn't practice, which I don't believe. But it's if you have like a you got the lineups lock in Thursday. That game's late at night on Friday. Touching that Stanford quarterback situation is a huge risk. Um, so yeah, it's it's it's. I think you're going to see a lot of people going toward the non-injured quarterbacks, like uh, let's, uh, obviously Packton Lynch at Memphis. There's Seth Collins, <clears throat> excuse me, for Oregon State going against Stanford, and uh, Matt Johns at Virginia. But yeah, it's it's the pool's made even smaller just because of those injury risks, making thingy, things even more uncertain. Yeah, not really an ideal slate to play. I would I would probably if you typically play that slate and you like playing a lot of people on Memphis, then that maybe that's that's a good slate. For the you, best but. maybe the best edge to get here is like correctly guess which quarterbacks are actually going to play at all. Like if if you if you right. think you have a read on these coaches <laughs> and they're you know BSing in press conferences, maybe go for it because I'm not touching Hogan. If you think Shaw's uh you know gonna play hogan because he's a tough guy or something like whatever i mean but you got to work on some kind of imperfect information yeah or maybe you just enter you know a bunch of tournaments just rotating a big variety of of all those different quarterbacks that could be in play and hope to really either way there's going to be a lot of overlap at quarterback so all right you've seen the ads your friends are playing now it's your turn to get signed up at fanduel.com fanduel is the leader in one week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site the money is real. They are paying out over $75 million a week this football season. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and do whatever it is you do on a, a college football Saturday, and, and you can watch watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1. Anyone can play. You know fantasy football. Prove it at FanDuel. If you recall, last week Mario was, was really pimping the Bowling Green passing attack pretty hard, and I can't say... How much that affected my decision to start Matt Johnson and Roger Lewis and a few of my lineups, but what I can say is that money subsequently went from other people's accounts and into my account. So uh, if you if you listen closely to what's coming up next, then you can probably do the same thing over at FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com and click in the right in the microphone in the upper right hand corner. Use our code RWCFB and sign up now. This is a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. This offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code RWCFB today. All right, so the the early slate on Saturday is loaded with a, a ton of teams, other good players. Lots of options. Uh, perhaps maybe the, the top breakout quarterback last week was Texas's Jared Hurd, who who did it all through the air on the ground. How much are you buying into Hurd, and what do you think about his eighty three hundred dollar price tag against OK State this Saturday? Hurd's just a, f- a tournament consideration, I think, because uh, you really need to hit that one quarterback spot. And uh, he's he's at home going against an Oklahoma State defense, an Oklahoma State team in general. That's kind of weird looking right now. It's hard to know what exactly they are. But uh, we know Hurd can at least do well against a Pac-12 defense like California. He had a kind of ridiculous uh, box score against them last week. Um, in his, in, I don't know if he started the week before against Rice. But either way, against Rice the week before uh, last, he only threw seven passes, completed four for 120 yards and two touchdowns. They opened up the offense more against California because California can actually you know score points. And he threw for 364 yards on just 31 attempts. 
one interception, no touchdowns, but that yards per attempt and that completion percentage of uh, 64 and a half are, are very encouraging, I think. And what really made his night was obviously the running. Like he's been a crazy good runner the last two weeks. He had 10 attempts for 96 yards against Rice and then 163 yards and three touchdowns on 24 carries against California. Oklahoma State might have been kind of like holding back on their playbook a little bit in these first few weeks, um, having gone against, you know, non insignificant opponents like Central Michigan, Central Arkansas, UTSA. Now they got a road game against Texas, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that Oklahoma State defense is for real. It's hard to tell. They shut down UTSA and Central Arkansas. Um, but in week one, Oklahoma State only cleared Central Michigan by 11 points. So Hurd's, Hurd's legs give him some GPP consideration, I think. But uh, every, pretty much all the people in your cash games are probably going to go toward uh, Patrick Mahomes at 8,700 at home against TCU. And then Matt Johnson, of course, Bowling Green on the road against Purdue. Matt Johnson seems pretty much matchup proof for at least any team that he's got on his schedule. And uh, Mahomes, he's he's got a relatively kind of tough uh, matchup with TCU but high over under and I don't think TCU's defense is quite good enough to slow Mahomes and uh, even if he doesn't have that great of a game as a passer kind of like last week against Arkansas he only had 241 yards and a passing touchdown he's got wheels too so he ran for 58 and two touchdowns against Arkansas Mahomes has been major major money so far Mm -hmm. uh, going even back to last year he's like probably got to be a top three kind of quarterback so a lot of him and Matt Johnson, too. He he showed some running ability for the first time last week, 41 and a touchdown on the ground against Memphis while throwing for 443 and four touchdowns. Uh, both of those guys have, have totally manageable matchups, and those are cheap prices are, to are pay. Are you surprised that Matt Johnson's price didn't, didn't tick up a little bit? There? I'm surprised at how low Mahomes and Matt Johnson are both. Um, so, yeah, they're they're going to have a lot of a lot of action, uh, cash game, and tournament, really. I mean, those are, those are great tournament prices for those two also. Right. I mean, where would you... I mean, which guys that are priced ahead of those guys would you actually take ahead of those guys if the prices were even? Boykin's got to be the number one quarterback this week, I think. Uh, Texas Tech's defense has not been impressive, and Boykin's just, you know, the man. Uh, Seth Russell's pretty close. He's been a little sloppy. Uh, Definitely been a bit more of a gunslinger than expected, but he's got great (laughs) upside as a passer and runner. He's going against Rice. Uh, Almost got 46 points on FanDuel against SMU. So yeah, those maybe maybe Russell I also put ahead of Mahomes and Johnson, but I don't think Mahomes and Johnson are outside of my uh, top four on yeah, this slate. I'm looking at yeah, I'm looking at your top four just overall for the week, and those are the top four guys that oh, you have. There you so go. I mean it's <laughs> it's uh, it's all happening in these early games. I mean that's that's kind of the the sucky thing about you know only being able to start one quarterback, but also maybe. Uh, incentive to to enter a bunch of i mean if if you're going on any significant uh you know volume with your lineups this gives you a reason to go with you know two cash game lineups because you can make you can expect reasonably close returns from those two but it does hedge against the possibility Mm -hmm. of one greatly outpacing the other and you having no action on that player but uh yeah i mean it's I, I think those two quarterbacks make sense to go after because then it gives you a chance to maybe fit in somebody like Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Jordan Howard, et cetera. Those guys are 85 and above. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of running back options too, but after that it starts to get a bit thinner. You get some tough matchups or guys who are you know injured like Daniel Lasco. We don't know what the deal with his hip injury is quite yet. Or, or I haven't seen anything yet, but if he's out – um, Daniel Lasco, that is, if he's out, then Vic and Ware and Kalfani Muhammad both back in. 
they they were really good last week against yeah. Texas. But uh, that's that's just something that's going to need some watching, and uh, who knows what we're going to get as far as like coach cooperation there. Sonny Dykes was, I think, calling him questionable last week, even when people saw him in sweatpants on the sideline before the game. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, it's yeah, you got Davian Smith. He's a good matchup against BYU, but he lost a little bit of his workload last week. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think it makes sense to go with those two, so you can get like a really good stud number one running back. Uh, but no, yeah. so so talking about the stud running backs, they have uh, Leonard Fournette five hundred dollars cheaper than Zeke Elliott on this slate. Is that just kind of algorithms not being where they they should be, or do you? I would imagine it's like a tournament trap, kind of not not a trap as in it doesn't make sense. But uh, if if rationally, like based on projections, you go to Fournette pretty much every time because yeah. five hundred less. You can project at least the same floor as Elliott. I'd say he has a higher floor, mm-hmm. and he has a similar ceiling at least. But if you know, if, if our projections are probably going to be like the best projections can only be right probably you know like sixty percent of the time if they're giving a specific projection. It's more like the range that you can more accurately predict. So going with Ezekiel Elliott over Fournette is more of a tournament consideration for me because it's like if. You know, it's just a weird day for LSU at Syracuse, like three defensive touchdowns or something, and they don't want to f- let Fournette take carries because it doesn't matter. It's a pushover opponent. Maybe, you know, that that's where you get a huge payoff for your gamble for going with Elliott, even if it's, you know, a bad idea, you know, eight times out of ten. So last week, the, I think the big the big game that everyone was, was trying to get in on in, in one way or another was the Bowling Green Memphis game because of that. I think it was like a 79 and a half over under. Uh, we talked a bit about that Texas Tech TCU game. That's at 80 and a half. Uh, TCU only seven point favorites there. Where are you kind of looking uh, among the wide receivers in that game, uh, I, I, if at all? I mean, I, I would assume that there's going to be a lot of action on on most of those top guys on both of those teams. Uh, but do you do you see any options that really stand out on on either side there to pair with one of those quarterbacks? I find a lot of these receivers very affordable. I mean, eighty four hundred is the most expensive, and it's Doxson. Uh, Corey Coleman's eighty two hundred. William Fuller at seventy nine hundred. He's going against Massachusetts. He can he can torch those guys. Roger Lewis down at seventy six hundred. So yeah, that's that's a lot of affordable you know firepower at the top there. It's looking looking more at this slate. It's surprisingly easy. I think to f- this is this is a pretty soft cap. Basically, um, you can you can have Boykin at ten thousand three hundred mm-hmm. at receiver or sorry at quarterback because and then still afford one of those top receivers because I'm I'm looking a little further than the running backs not to change gears oh, too yeah, drastically no. uh, but Travis ahead. Green for bo- uh, Bowling Green is sixty two hundred at Purdue. Purdue switching to a new quarterback. They can probably, you know, stay afloat for like two quarters or something. But Matt Johnson, there's, I don't see any reason to think Matt Johnson won't end that by the halftime. And at that point, I mean, we know tr- the running game is going to be more of a part of the Bowling Green offense if they've got a lead uh, than you know the situations they've been in the past three weeks. And Travis Green gets a lot of red zone carries. He doesn't have a workhorse workload with Fred Coppett there, but 6,200 for a guy who has very good touchdown upside. I think he's due for, you know, like a multi-touchdown game. So I would target him, I think, at that price. Patrick Skov is, again, very cheap, 5,800 yeah. going against Duke. That's an <laughs> obvious cash game target. He'll be heavily owned, but that's he's, it, it makes too much sense to pass floors, on. I mean, he he's, keeps getting in the end zone. I mean, at the yards. He even caught a pass last week, dude. <laughs> 
Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Skav at that price on there. I would, I would definitely get a lot of him. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing. Like, you, if you can get a, a solid, you know, running back to like Skav at that price, receiver, it's like you don't even really need to split the hairs so much because you can probably get a Roger Lewis and a Hakeem Grant. Devin Lauderdale's probably priced pretty low since he's kind of like a the, hit or miss guy. The points you're going to have to put up to cash in in some of these tournaments, it's going to have to be kind of through the roof because you know they they had your five top quarterbacks this week are all in this slate, and your top three at least wide receivers are all in the your top four wide receivers this week are all in this slate: Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Roger Lewis, Josh Doxson. So, uh, yeah, like you were saying, I mean the the, the scores are going to be crazy high. Yeah, I think so. So we'll, we'll see, I guess. But um, I, I think that the affordability of those receivers means that it makes sense to go a little heavy on quarterback and running back on this slate. All right, yeah. So um, now now Penn State, I don't believe, is available on this uh, slate, even though it is an afternoon game. But uh, Saquon Barkley right. uh, has kind of emerged as a legitimate stud. What what have you thought about his performance so far this season, and, it, and what are you thinking about the matchup against San Diego State? Yeah, this is something I want to talk about just as like a scouting note uh, for you guys. But Akil Lynch entered this year as the number one running back for Penn State, and he's done a totally decent job. I mean, he's got 244 yards and two touchdowns on 39 carries. That's 6.3 a carry. Last year, he ended the year strong, and uh, he's, he's a totally decent player. But the thing is that Saquon Barkley looks per, like, you know, really good. He's, he's a 220-pounder. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty big back, but he looks very, very explosive. Um, last week, he got 21 carries against Rutgers, torched them for 195 yards, two touchdowns. The week before, he had 115 yards and a touchdown and 12 carries. That's well over nine yards a carry two weeks in a row. This week he gets San Diego State team whose offense has been just a train wreck all year. So might see some three and outs, some turnovers, see some short fields. Uh, I think if if you can get action on Barkley, uh, he, I think he finds the end zone two or more times this week, if only just because they should see some short fields. And he doesn't even need a short field to find the end zone. So uh, interesting development there. He's someone who could kind of be a, a, a fixture as a, as a high floor, high upside running back going forward that we didn't really expect to be there. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of defenses in the the Big Ten. I haven't looked at Penn State's schedule, but a lot of a lot of defenses to kind of pick on there in the running game. Uh, so moving on to the late slate here, uh, you got the Mississippi State Auburn game. Do you trust anybody on either of these teams other than Dak Prescott? Uh, I thought you were going to leave me with the easy Dak answer, but uh, I guess not. Uh, I don't really trust anyone in this game at all, uh, aside from Dak. Uh, Dak, Dak probably won't find the, the going easy against Auburn. They're definitely going to key on him a lot. And Deronia Wilson, Fred, Fred Ross, those guys are cool. But it's Dak's got to carry the team. They don't have a Josh Robinson there. Their running backs aren't that great so far. So he's, he's going to get a lot of volume, I think, though. And, and Auburn, I don't know what to expect from Sean White, their new quarterback. He's going to start over uh, Jeremy Johnson. On the one hand, everything seems rotten there at Auburn. I don't think anyone really has – they're, they're in a panic mode at this point. But on the other hand, Johnson was terrible. And it's like White doesn't need to be good or even average, and he can still be better than Johnson. And if he's that much better than Johnson – does that open everything up finally? Uh, it's hard to tell whether the, the, the whole system or just 
just Jeremy Johnson is the problem there. But I guess we'll find out. Mississippi State's defense isn't that great. Uh, Auburn has no good reason to not, you know, hold their own there. But if if Sean White is not very good, then again, short fields might be there for Dak. And when he gets enough short fields, you know, especially in the second half, he's eventually going to bulldoze for a touchdown or two on the ground. So one of the maybe the D team that I find the the most frustrating from a DFS perspective, at least this season, is Oregon. They've got they're hosting Utah. Uh, should be a pretty high scoring game. Uh, not sure what's going to be going on at, at quarterback there, uh, but I mean both sides got hurt quarterbacks. So Vernon Adams has the finger that he the broken right. finger apparently that he sat out last week with. I don't know what a broken finger means to the like a football player who is a lot tougher than me but when i think <laughs> about a broken finger i want to like cry yeah and you know you probably call don't want to football i would call 911 and <laughs> anyway like it's been one week that he sat out so i don't know what that makes what that does for his recovery or whatever but jeff Lockie was not good for oregon yeah. last week it's possible that Oregon kind of like didn't open the playbook very much because Georgia State was, you know, like 40 point underdogs or whatever. But Lockie did not do well. So I'm sure they would like Vernon Adams back. But uh, on the other side in that game, Travis Wilson had uh, that shoulder injury, the non throwing shoulder. Uh, he sat out last week and, or, or sorry, he, uh, yeah, he, he sat out last week and Kendall Thompson played. Yeah, I haven't found anything on who's going to start that. Another guy who kind of. You know, I think Lockie and Thompson were both uh, pretty heavily uh, utilized. Especially Thompson in the second, uh, the later slates, just because, yeah, I mean, earlier slates you had more options. But, yeah, Thompson had the great matchup, and he just, he was okay or whatever, but he he didn't show the same upside that he had in previous times on the field. But uh, there there are other options aside from those guys, obviously, on this slate. Kessler at the top at 8,900. Kyle Allen probably won't hurt you at 8,800. Uh, but yeah, Chad Kelly probably has to be the most interesting quarterback on on this slate at 8,400 oh. at home against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's defense seems pretty good, but we just saw Kelly with with a little luck. With with a little luck, we saw Kelly you know torch Alabama basically for the same numbers he torched everybody the two weeks before that. It looks like it looks like you know Kelly's kind of going to be the closest thing to uh, the Cam Newton junior college takeover quarterback who leads his team to uh, a slightly improbable you know national championship chase so I, I really like Kelly at that at that number just because he's so explosive as a runner in addition to putting up huge passing numbers with that very deep very fast very big group of receivers where do you see uh, just moving to that that USC uh, Arizona State game where do you see USC being most vulnerable with with a guy like Demario Richard on the ground or with uh, Berkovici through the air i think i mean both had great games last week i don't know uh because i i'm i'm not as confident in my initial assessment of what berkovicki and dj foster really are because their passing game really struggled a lot against new mexico uh last week they got going in the second half but it's like man it took you four quarters yeah. to get going against new mexico and then they didn't do well in t- against texas a&m in week one something seems off at arizona state i don't know what it is but uh, USC, they, they obviously are, you know, they, they got something to prove after losing to uh, Stanford. I, I, I probably even said on this show last week that that was going to be a beatdown in USC's favor. So I'm, I I'm probably said it, too. too. I, mean, I don't I, even I have know. no idea what happened. I think Stanford is not very good. But no. I, I mean, USC is always overrated. They're always overrated. 
and Steve Sarkeesian is not a tactician whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I mean, they gave up 11.6 yards per pass, 75% completed against Kevin Hogan. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw Kevin Hogan in week one, but that's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> Kevin Hogan's not very good. He's, um, he's, he's gutsy, gutsy guy. And he's, you know, smart, obviously, but man, he cannot put a football usually where he wants it to go even. And they just can't do anything against him. Gave up 195 and three touchdowns on the ground too. So USC might be a mess. Maybe it was just an aberration. Maybe Stanford's just way better than they looked in the first two weeks. Hard to say, but I'm, I'm not really going for much Arizona State except for uh, Richard, probably. He's pretty reasonably priced at 7900 which, again, against a team that gave up, right. uh, what, 198-3 and three on the ground. I don't know if Kalen Ballage is back this week. He was dealing with mono. I, I thought mono was like a month-long thing. He's like two and a half weeks into it. We'll see on that one. Uh, but, yeah, DeMario Richard has got to play a lot on that team. He's really their only constant right now, and he's been very, very good, really. So he, he's a good like cash game staple at 7,900. But um, I probably would rather pay up for uh, the other Arizona running back, uh, this time Nick Wilson at the you know regular Arizona. Only 300 more than Richard. Going against UCLA, but uh, Nick Wilson's got a good passing game on his team, so the the scoring opportunities should be more regular, and there should be you know fewer three and outs. Probably just and Wilson's probably just the better player too. Yeah, I could see, I could see making a case for for Berkovici in like a tournament or or in a maybe a two QB format or something like that. But uh, yeah, you're probably right. That is a a fairly uh, unstable situation what about uh the guy that's kind of burned me two weeks in a row and it's probably my own fault is josh rosen who uh i thought had a a pretty nice uh, matchup last week and and only threw for 106 passing yards 11 of 23 through the air Uh, obviously did not earn his his uh price tag there what do you think about him this week against arizona i think we've learned that part of rosen's amazing debut game against virginia is just because virginia's defense is really really bad um the, the cavaliers i mean I don't, they're norm they were expected to be a pretty decent defensive team and they were were pretty good in recent years but uh they've allowed nine passing touchdowns have zero interceptions in three games in addition to ucla that was notre dame but uh also william and mary so william and mary threw three touchdowns on them last week so yeah that that might have just been why rosen started so hot but i I think he'll bounce back i mean no matter what like a game a first game that good as a true freshman is pretty pretty impressive and usually indicative of the ability to you know keep developing as a player so i think he'll have his bounce back eventually but i don't really want to wait for it to happen while he's in my fantasy lineup so i don't really see a reason to go with him that much Uh, like especially if like with dak and a new solomon there's just too many guys who have higher ceilings without nearly as low of a floor i think well there's going to be points scored in that game one way or another i mean 66 is the Paul perkins man paul perkins might be the guy that you pay up paul perkins so good Maybe you find a way to try to fit both of those running backs into your, uh, Who's your lineup with 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 Perkins oh. and Nick Wilson possibly if if you uh, think that that's uh, how that game gets gets into the yeah the one 60s. bargain target that might be there at running back Russell Hansborough you'll want to double check closer to Saturday on his injury status because these teams lie like all the time about everything um, but he's listed as probable for this week against Kentucky his ankle's been a problem but. 
Missouri's passing game is kind of a mess. Maddie Mock is not very good. They're not turning to Drew Locke yet. Even if they turn to Drew Locke, doesn't mean that the passing game will get better. So they're going to have to lean on Hansbrough. They have no running back depth, really, or at least the depth that they do have is also banged up. Hansborough could get a lot, a lot of work. And Kentucky, while you know much improved over where they were in recent years, still doesn't have exactly a you know a scary defense there. What are the updates on? There's you know, three pretty high big name running backs on this this slate. The Corey Clement injury that we've been dealing with, uh, Kareem Hunt, and then Trey Madden. Do you have any any news on any of those guys at all? Trey Madden's been limited in practice. I don't know what that means. I. I I can't recall whether uh, Sarkeesian has a history of, you know, basically lying about injury statuses or whatever. Well, he's a coach, so probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would lie if I was him. <laughs> but anyway, Trey Madden has apparently been limited. He's got a long, long injury history, and they could really use him because he's good when he's not hurt. But with Justin Davis running really well so far, I I, I wouldn't count on him being there. And uh, basically, all all three of those guys I'm not super optimistic about. Kareem Hunt did not get a you know the usually reflexive optimistic response from the coach they said like he might not be available this week uh he's he's gotten nicked up a bit the past two years so there's there's a history of him missing time Corey clement i really really doubt will play they're, they're at home against hawaii hawaii is probably more of a threat to wisconsin than troy or miami of ohio but still it's it's in madison any, I mean, is there? If you were to try to get something out of that Wisconsin offense, are you just going back to those those? Backs well, Taiwan Deal and uh, Dario Gumbawale are, are very similar. Or, sorry, they are exactly the same price at sixty six hundred. The question, I guess, of which to pick comes down to whether you think Wisconsin will throw much at all in it. If if they're not throwing much, I think Taiwan Deal's the better buy because he gets the red zone chances and. Oh. Dario Gumbawale is more likely to make an impact if they ever go hurry up at some point and need to actually throw the ball, which I don't know that they will. I think the Wisconsin defense can pretty much handle this game as long as Joel Stave doesn't, you know, turn it over three times, which he could. <laughs> uh, I would go deal more so because I just can't imagine Wisconsin yeah. needing to gain ground really through the air. All right. Well, I think that that kind of does it for us this we got, week. We got, really quickly, the receivers on uh, that late slate. I mean, Juju's at the top at 8,200. Laquan Treadwell at 7,200. DJ Foster at 7,100. Uh, two of those three I'm not super high on. I think Mississippi's too hard to project the usage of for Treadwell to be more than a turn. Juju, Juju I think, so? is he's he's going to stay a monster. He's yeah. I, I think close to matchup proof. Only, I really like him. I, the only lineup I, I cashed in a good amount of my early slate lineups last week. The only one I cashed in and it saved my evening was the one I was able to fit Juju Smith in. So definitely, definitely big time player. But yeah, he's, he's, a, he's definitely worth that price. I, I think he makes a lot of sense as a tournament and cash target both. Otherwise for that late slate, the receivers get pretty slim. I'd be thinking hard about those Wisconsin guys, Alex Erickson mm-hmm. and Rob wheelwright. If uh, Corey Clement is out, because I don't think the Wisconsin running backs are very good. And I, I do think those two receivers are pretty good though. So I, I like their chances. Uh, if Vernon Adams is in Braylon Addison, the Oregon receiver at 6,000 could be interesting. I think he's their most talented receiver. And uh, I, I, he's coming back from an ACL tear from the spring of last year. They haven't used him a whole lot yet, but he's really good. Um, otherwise, though, it's 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 a lot of a lot of darts, a lot of guys that uh, don't necessarily have high floors and don't seem to have much of a ceiling either. But uh, as far as one option, um, Drew Morgan at Arkansas is apparently like the only healthy receiver they have at this point. Uh, so he might be something to consider. 
And um, Corey Jones at Toledo is 5,600. He gets a lot of targets. He's tiny receiver, so he's not necessarily likely to score, but uh, he might be one of the better uh, target sources among those kind of lower price targets. But yeah, it gets very thin at receiver after that initial first and second tier. Yeah, this is definitely not your early slate, but that uh, should give you some opportunities to maybe maybe spend up on Juju Smith there and... Yeah, I probably want to get some juju in that late slate. <laughs> probably want to get some juju in every slate when you can when you can get it. Uh, next week, we're gonna have uh, a couple of changes. Uh, we're gonna have a a new uh, sponsor. That's uh, we're gonna be pimping some razors. I'll I'll just come out and say it. And then uh, we got a new guest for the show, uh, John McKechnie, who. Uh, definitely knows his college football. He'll be joining us, so we'll be live uh, shaving on the air. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be uh, shaving John's face on next week's uh, next week's podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at RealJRAnderson. You can find Mario at NFLDraft underscore RW. And uh, definitely let us know if there's there's anything you want us to talk about on next week's slate, or if you got tweet any- at us any uh, demands or threats or feedback. And uh, if if you like our if you like the lineups that you've been ending up with, or you just like listening to us say stupid things, please leave us a generous review someplace. Sure. Thank you very much in advance if if you can uh, spare the the keystrokes. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we'll we'll take a generous review in any place, you know. So so definitely find a place and and leave that. Uh but we'll be back with you uh next week. Thanks, guys. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. See? It's soft. Smooth ends, no flyaways, shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E Secret Weapon. Only from John Frieda. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.